and welcome to Risk Chats with a Firm. I'm your host, Paul Marshall. Today we're talking about climate-related risks and financial reporting. Our guest is Robin Gilliam from FaceAB. This is another dual cast, as I call it, with AGA. We decided to put it out on both podcasts. We thought it had a relevance to, uh, to both sides here, so... Talk with Robin. Hello and welcome to the podcast. All right, so today we have an exciting and timely subject. We're going to be talking about uh, some of the climate change uh, guidance that's coming out of FaceSab. And to do that, we have with us today Robin Gilliam. So, Robin, hi, how are you doing? Good, how are you doing today? Doing good. It's Friday, so it's always a good thing. <laughs> so, yeah, so I'm ready for the weekend. But before we do that, I want to talk about this. So, Robin, why don't you give us a little bit of intro about yourself there, and uh, then we'll kind of jump into – and a little bit about FaceApp, and then we'll jump into the topic. Great. Thank you, and thank you for having us. We really appreciate joining you for the podcast. So I've been in the federal government since 1997, started working on the audited financial statements at the Census Bureau. After that, I went to commerce and started working on actually core financial systems. And from there, I went to the Treasury Department for quite a while, about nine years, and worked on systems there and also started writing policy and uh, Treasury financial manuals. And then stopped over at labor for a short period. And then from there, I found my way to FACEP, the Federal Accounting Standards Advisory Board, I've been there since 2013, and I am currently the lead on the management discussion and analysis project, as well as, you mentioned, the new climate project that we have. Um, I'm a CPA and also a project management professional. All right. Awesome. Well, uh, and I think you wanted to say something about this is your opinion, not the opinion of the board, right? Yeah. Thank you for reminding me about that. Um, actually... Our typical disclaimer is that this material or anything that I speak about is presented for discussion purposes only. It is not intended to reflect authoritative views of the FaceApp or its staff. Official positions of the FaceApp are determined only after extensive due process and deliberations. And with that, I'll talk a little bit about our board. The FaceApp is a nine-member board. There are three members from the federal community. We have a member from GAO. OMB and Treasury. They are our sponsors. And then we have six additional members that are non-federal and they come from academic uh, CPA firms and also consultants. All right. So why don't we jump into the topic here? So we're going to be talking about this FaceSab project, Accounting for Climate-Related Financial Reporting. Um, so, yeah, just give us an overview. You know, how did it start? Why did you all start talking about this? Uh, yeah, go ahead and give us a little insight. Great. Thank you. So I think it was late 2017, and we had two people come over to FaceAB. One was an architecture and one was a scientist, and they were part of this group called the Federal Adaption Resilience Group, and they wanted to know what kind of accounting standards FaceApp had for adaption and resilience for climate. And at that time, we didn't know that much about it. And we took a pause and said, hmm, let's look at our 
standards and we actually developed a toolbox of standards that agencies could use in relation to their property, plant, and equipment. So if property, plant, and equipment was damaged, destroyed, or impaired as a result of a climate-related event, which we're saying for our purposes is you know extreme weather event, then we had standards that could address that. We also were looking at the management discussion and analysis, which we call MDNA, to say, well, if you have a risk going forward, then that's a good place to put that, to talk about that. Um, and at that time, there wasn't much talk in the accounting world about climate. So we developed this toolbox, and then we started to present it to different organizations and agencies to just start the education on climate. In December of 2020, we decided it was time to maybe actually bring this up as a official technical project on the board. And we had a education session with four very prominent people in the climate community. Um, Adam Smith, uh, he's the lead scientist on the NOAA U.S. Billion Dollar Weather and Climate Disaster. We had Alfredo Gomez, the director of natural resources and environment team at GAO, and Joe Thompson, an assistant director at the same GAO team, and then Ann Cosmo is the architect at the GSA Administration Office of Federal High Performance Buildings. So I pulled them together to educate the board on the fiscal risk to the government about financial, about the climate risk that we have. And at that time, the board moved this into a research project. So we were researching from a uh, standard point of view, what we thought needed to be done. And then we came back at the table in April. And the reason it was such a long time was because we were researching and I was also involved in a pretty extensive pilot for the MDNA. So we just came back, actually it was um, August. We came back in August and climate-related financial reporting project got moved to the technical agenda. This means it's, a, it's officially an active project. We brought a project plan to the table as to what we thought we should be working on. During our research period, the executive order 14030 was signed on May 20th, 21, by the president, and it was entitled Climate-Related Financial Risk, and that changed the scope of our toolbox. So if you remember, our toolbox relates just to property, plant, and equipment, and this extended it, or expanded it rather, to um, federal lending programs and also all assets and liabilities. So we had to take a step back because now instead of a project that just related to PP&E, we were going to look at all of our standards. So when we came back to the table in August, we recommended doing a some kind of a paper that first of all just identified like a catalog of what standards existed, like the toolbox, but just expanded. There were other standard setters like FASB and IPSASB and IFRS, and I don't want to go past those acronyms because I'm not sure I'm going to get them all right. IPSASB is the International Public Accounting Standards Board. IFRS is International Financial Reporting Standards, I think, and then FASB is the for the commercial. Federal Financial Accounting Standards Board. They all had put out staff papers with questions and answers around the climate 
topic. And I thought that would be great. Take our toolbox and expand on it. And so that's what we recommended. And over the last two board meetings, August and October, can you believe we're already in November and December? Yeah, August and October, <laughs> um, we talked about that paper. And so right now we are coming back in December. It will be, the board decided it will be a staff paper, which means it's not authoritative. So we, staff can publish it. The board does, it does want to have a little bit of a review on it. And it will be a catalog of existing standards and what can be used to account for and report on climate-related events, which are those extreme weather events, and climate-related financial risk, which is more of a forward-looking piece. So that's coming to the table in December. On the 14th, I will be um, presenting to the board in the morning. We'd like to recommend that anybody can come and listen. It's still virtual, and we're Zooming now. So if you can, please, we'll tell you at the end how to do that. The other thing we're looking at is a framework for climate-related financial disclosures. Um, the task force for climate-related disclosures put out a number of recommendations, I think, in 2017, and around the world, organizations, governments have been starting to implement this. So we're looking at developing that ourselves based on that, but not limited to that, because it's very difficult to actually map from commercial requirements and disclosures over the government. In commercial, you have, obviously, there it's for profit. It's investment. Is your investment going to make me money? What is going to impact my investment? And that's what they're starting to do in the commercial world is making sure that those investments are disclosed and transparent. On the government side, we're not looking to make money, but are our programs, what is going to affect our programs? And how do we get these risks into the financial statement information. And again, don't forget the disclosure, the disclaimer piece I talked about, my opinion is it needs to come into the budget. The climate-related financial risk needs to come into the budget through the president's assumptions. And once it comes into the budget, it should flow naturally into the financial statement. So that's um, a piece that we're hoping happens from this executive order. So we will be working on a framework once we're finished with the paper on how we are looking at doing financial, climate-related financial disclosures. The other thing we are doing is we are monitoring strategies that are coming out of the executive order in relation to Treasury and OMB guidance, and we are actually working to collaborate with them so that we're all basically marching to the beat of the same drummer. We know what they're doing. They know what we're doing. And that way, we are working together to make sure these disclosures and requirements are in sync. In fact, we just worked with OMB on the federal lending and to learn more about like what needed to be updated in the standards. And we're continuing to collaborate with them. We are also collaborating with the other public standard setters, such as ITSASB and um, possibly GASI, which is the Government Accounting Standards Board, and they do local and state. And ITSASB is putting together to see if we can't do quarterly meetings to make sure we're all talking about what we're doing, what's working for us, what's not working, where they're at, where we're at, so that we're all 
communicating because as I said, working at it from a public standpoint is a little bit more difficult. I think that pretty much wraps it up right now. I, I think the other thing that is really important is if you're listening in from an agency, from the AGA side, and you're not sure what, if the standards have the information that you need or the guidance that you need for a specific climate scenario, because this is very new to everybody, we're recommending that you fill out our technical inquiry. There's a page in our website, which is www.s, as in Frank, or spaceab.gov, Federal Accounting Standards Advisory Board. Please complete a technical inquiry for staff to analyze it to see if there is a need for an amendment to generally accepted accounting principles, gaps, big gaps, and if there, um, or if there needs to be new gaps. And that is the best way we can help you and also reach out to other agencies to see if anyone else is having the same issue. The other thing we want to say is that SpaceApp does not operate in a vacuum. As I said, we are collaborating wherever we can, and we are very interested in what our stakeholders, either users of the financial statements and our preparers and auditors need help with. So we highly recommend getting on task forces um, and work, working groups, join our meetings. Right now they are still virtual. And the way you can do that is to sign up for our listserv, also at faceapp.gov, that you know when we put out any new information and when the agenda comes out for our meetings. Great. Yeah, we'll definitely share the some of and those. That was a, yeah, we'll share some of those links on the site too, as well. And but I want to ask. I mean, if if you have something for us, I think we had talked about maybe uh, an example, kind of put this all into perspective with a real example, maybe from the DoD world or something. You know, why agencies realize that it's important to kind of bring the climate uh, factors into their reporting. Sure, that's a very good question. So. In 2018, the Department of Defense that we know about, that I know about from my research, got hit with two major hurricanes. One affected Camp Lejeune and the other one, Tyndall Base. And um, Tyndall Air Force Base, I think, had $5.5 billion in damage, and Camp Lejeune had $3.6 billion in damage. So, what that means is they needed that money that wasn't in their budget to actually restore their bases to back to operation. And if I remember from Camp Lejeune, there was over a hundred and some assets that were either damaged or destroyed. And so they, there was one that was originally from the, I think from the, 40s, it was their headquarters, and it was originally a hospital, and it wasn't even built to any kind of standard code currently, so they were going to have to actually redo that building, move it away from the water, bring it up to code, um, climate codes that are coming up, and those are also under, constantly under improvement, too. So they had to do that. One of the night, one of the most, <laughs> not that exciting, but the picture is really exciting, if I could show you pictures. There was a trestle air railroad that went from one side to the other into, into Camp Lejeune, and it was where they brought in equipment, and it was wood, and, and it was totally destroyed by the creek that flooded below it. 
And that was one of the first things I had to restore. It was like 2.6. Was that billion? There was a there was a lot of money to restore. I don't have my slides in front of me. I apologize. There was a lot of money to restore that, and they brought it up to code. They they put it on a serious concrete base, and so it should. What they did was they adapted it for any kind of future flooding so that they shouldn't have this kind of problem again, anticipating that this is going to happen again. And that's the most important thing for agencies is to stop and say, we're not just going to bring up the code. You know, you have to look forward and say, how are we going to adapt and become resilient to, to climate? Because these extreme weather events are going to keep happening and we don't want to keep having to replace or repair this um, PPE property plant and equipment. So, what are we going to have to do to do that? That's what Kent and Cosmo talked about. That that's her job at GSA is to do those kind of assessments as to what buildings need, and that is what the executive order 14030 talks about. And in fact, they just put out a roadmap to support that, and that. Um, gives you information about what they, the government, the president, and the man, you know, wants agencies to be looking at in relation to becoming, you know, more client adapt and to really manage those climate related financial risks. Right. And um, did, in relation to the, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, did you have more information on that roadmap? I think there were like three or four major, areas it addresses that it feels will really be impacted by climate? I do. This roadmap was put out on October 14th, 2021. And it's a roadmap to build a climate resilient economy. And there were one, two, three, four, five, six areas underneath the risk that has information for what they're planning to do. Of course, it's a roadmap and it, it gears everybody up to what they're going to do. Financial regulation is one. Protecting American life savings and pensions. For everybody listening, it's not we're not just federal employees. We also have our own pensions. So, you know, our 401ks, our TSPs. So you wouldn't stop. When I read this, I was like, oh, that's in that's that risk also. So what are they doing for that? Federal procurement. They're starting to look at the policies and procedures behind procuring and our agencies, I mean, our contractors, where are they with the zero emissions moving towards 2050? And are they doing that? And if they're not doing that, there might be new policies and procedures about whether they will be contracted or not. So there's that kind of thought process going on. Federal budgeting, financial management reporting, that's where FASAB fits in and the budgeting. And they're looking at those president management assumptions. And that's where you will be putting in into your budget line items to get ahead of this. There are studies out there that for every dollar that is spent, companies, agencies can save between 3 and $11. And that depends on the type of disaster. And so the government with this roadmap is trying to get ahead of it and be more proactive. Right now, we are very reactive. As you can see with the examples from DOD, we're reacting to that $8 billion problem with those two bases. And it actually, what if, what if they had spent the, the $2 billion up front 
to bring these assets up to an adaption and resilience place, would that have saved us, you know, six billion? That's the thought that's going on now is that the government needs to be more proactive. And it's the same thing across the entire world. We're not the only ones. The entire world is starting to look at this. Right. The um, next one is federal lending. Oh, I'm sorry. I just want to Go interject. Ahead. I just want to interject a thought on that because it actually makes me think of um, when you're talking about getting adapting. You know, the, those assets. You know, it's almost like earthquake proofing your house or hurricane proofing if you live in the Caribbean, right? It's, it seems like a similar <laughs> concept. It is. I actually took a, a whole course on built. I was probably the only CPA that put a, took an architectural course on built. It's B U I L T. Um, that's what the architects call it. And depending on what kind of weather situation will depend on how you would adapt your house. So if you're in a more windy area or a wind tunnel and the wind really whips through there, then you're going to want to look at how to adapt to materials that can withstand that kind of increased wind. Um, I can give you a personal example that my house, I was having flooding coming into my basement um, the door was old. The frame, I think, was dry rotted, and the water would come down. For some reason, my driveway is a conduit to the Chesapeake Bay, and so it would come down the the hill, little hill, and then turn into my driveway and it just kind of stay there and, and come through my door. So we actually went and bought a new door for that, and I made sure I went with a company that had materials that were more climate thoughtful. And then I also learned that water, there's a number of different ways water can impact your home or your building. It can be standing water. It can be water that is moving like in a hurricane where it's pushing in, it's coming in from a water source. So you've got the pressure of the water. It can be raining hard and slanting down into your door. Um, so it, it can come through that way. There's a number of different ways that water itself can damage. Earthquake, probably San Francisco is a good uh, a good example. They a lot of their buildings, I think when they when they build there, they have to build for earthquake. I don't know if they can prevent it, but adaption so the buildings will sway, you know, with the earthquakes versus crack open from an earthquake. Um, what else? They're they're doing research into rooftops. They're doing research into concrete and asphalt because the temperatures are getting hotter and can the, these materials withstand that kind of temperature change? Roof materials so that they will stay on during a windstorm. Um, California with the wildfires, if you have a house in California, they highly encourage you to clear everything around your house, including any plastic or those kind of chairs that are there. Um, it should be more glass. And that would be a way you would adapt if you lived in a in a fire zone like that, the wildfires. So yes, there is a way to, there is a lot of information up there. And if for the agencies, if you're going to build out your buildings or, or upgrade your buildings, sometimes the code, the regular building code is not enough. You might even want to go down to the county level because there's sometimes are even more stringent and they're more up to date with the climate and what the climate, what you need in relation to the climate. There was a story I saw, I think it was Dade County in Florida. And they said that, you know, the FEMA flood maps and some of the FEMA information was outdated and they actually had to go to go far beyond that. 
Um, and I think FEMA's trying to bring up their their information now, but they had to go beyond that because they're looking at raising that area like, I don't know, 10 or 20 feet. I mean, they're raising the whole area. And, and how do they do that? And do you just raise up 10 feet or do you look further and raise it up 20 feet? I mean, I think New York City in a certain area is looking to raise up also. So there is a lot of work being done in local areas that, you know, you can, and there's so much information out there about climate and who's doing what and what they're looking at. I know I live in Annapolis, Maryland, and they're looking at putting a seawall down in, in the historic area because it keeps flooding down there to keep the bay from coming up onto into Annapolis, the, the area down there. So yes, there is a lot of there's a lot of things to be considered when we are adapting our personal and or our federal property for these different types of weather activity, and depending on where you're at and what which one is most prominent. I found that fascinating. <laughs> For sure. And actually, I wanted to ask you, too, um, you know, because we're also looking at risk management to a degree here. Um, but also, I mean, wouldn't you think there's also a lot of opportunities here, you know, for the government as well? So let's say certain government agencies have revenue or fees based on this type of thing. But in the future, it's going to be this type of technology or this type of climate related, you know, impacts. So, I mean, it's not just oppor- it's not just risk. There's got to be opportunities here, too. Right. I personally think there is a lot of opportunities to get involved and do the adaption and resilience and be flexible and, and change the way we do business. We need to change the way we do business, right? We, you know, GSA is probably going to, I mean, yeah, GSA is probably going to have to move to a fleet of electric vehicles, um, buildings are going to have to go greener in their emissions. I didn't realize buildings emitted their own emissions. I guess they do. Um, and so every agency is going to have to take a look at their part. And there was another, there was another um, executive order a little earlier on that was geared towards the agencies. And I don't have that number off the top of my head. And they're they had to come up with a strategic, their strategic plan for how to deal with climate-related financial risk. And yes, in looking at the risk, we, you know, ERM and, and the firm, it is a good time to start talking about the opportunities and how spending that more money up front is going to save money in the back end. And then how are we going to become more efficient and effective in our processes and procedures? In relation to this, so absolutely, I think some of the opportunities might almost outweigh the risk once we get our hand, heads around it. Right, and I think the other one with COVID, you know, it seems like the perfect opportunity. We've been at home for two years, and we're still working. You know, maybe the government looking at is looking at some strategies to reduce uh, the buildings we even have to own or lease, and there, you know, the emissions from cars and right. I mean, that seems like it'd be a huge impact if more people were working from home on a long term basis or something like that. It is, and I, I think, you know, each agency comes up with their own policies. I know that where I work, FaceApp is housed in GAO, which is on the legislative side. So there, you know, we've been pushed back while the deviant and all the different COVID things have come out. We, our dates have been pushed back. So I think in January, they'll start talking again when we come back and what that's going to look like. And will our contracts for, um, you know, telework be different? We had a like an extended telework, 
and then we had I, I was on a 50% telework so what is that going to look like going forward so yeah every agency is going to have an opportunity to review that and then also in relation to the emissions that we're creating now when I get in my car I'm like oh I'm adding the, the emissions footprint <laughs> And I don't drive that much anymore, right? I don't drive that much anymore. Yeah, but even all the but those are definitely good opportunities, right? And all the reduction in plane travel too, because planes are a big one as far as emissions. Yeah, we were talking about this the other day that you know they're gonna our planes gonna go to electro, you know, electric. It's gonna be interesting to see how all the industries transform how they do business and how what vehicles they're using and how they're fueled right to get us from one place to another it's going to be very fascinating to see how that works and exciting i think it's really exciting yeah to I mean, um, help protect the earth and um you know and for our children and grandchildren yeah and, and the I mean, earth and for the earth's sake right i mean the world just keeps changing and we have to like you said adapt and be resilient to it right so i mean i think it makes total sense to have mm-hmm. some help here some standards to you know, so we can kind of get these uh, things in top of mind for many reasons. Um, so I was just going to say maybe to wrap it up, if you want to give us some final thoughts, maybe just reiterate. I know you have the December, you have the uh, uh, the I'm sorry, what was the meeting coming up? Maybe talk about that again and some of the links that we can provide folks to learn more. Yes, and I think what you just said was a very good point. So taking it back around to accounting standards, the catalog. The document that will be coming out, we're hoping, um, I can't really give a date until the board decides, but we're hoping, you know, winter, spring, that that catalog comes out. In the meantime, if you want me to come out and do a presentation on the toolbox, the toolbox will be updated, though, according to that catalog. But the accounting standards are there to help you account for the activities that you're going to be doing, the impact to your assets and your liabilities. So a climate-related event is something that has happened. It happened. Did you have any damage? Was anything destroyed? Did you have any impairment to your assets or any other liabilities? Um, We're talking about things now such as contingent liabilities. We're talking about the environmental cleanup costs. We're talking about um, social insurance. You know, there are impacts that you might not think of that could be impacted if the assets underneath leases um, are damaged or destroyed. And so we have, it will be a list of how you can use those. Now, the assets are not explicitly talking to climate change, but they can be implied and then applied to your scenarios. Again, if your scenario, if there's not a scenario that we can address, then we do recommend a technical inquiry. As far as the climate-related financial risk, that is, um, or opportunity, that is a future, futuristic. What are you looking at now and mitigating, right? What do you need to mitigate to either increase those opportunities or manage those risks? And the, there's a couple standards that talk about where you might talk about that, and in particular, management discussion analysis. Even though those standards are, are in the process of being updated, the current ones still talk about a forward-looking piece that is where you can talk about that. Just like, and COVID, you know, A136, which is a form and content memo from OMB, put a COVID 
discussion in MDNA, they are probably going to put a climate one, and we're working hand in hand with them to make sure everything synchronizes. So, I would say to the agencies, keep your eyes on that. There's already a recommended reporting for MDNA in A136, and then I think it will be required so that because the budget wasn't out yet, so they, I don't think they could because of the timing, they could not require it for this coming up financial report. So that is, you know, the benefit of the standards and from an ERM point of view, climate's going to be a, a bigger player, definitely, in what you're going to be mitigating and watching. As far as our activities, we have a FASAB board meeting every two months. The board meeting this month is, um, it's usually two days, but it's one day this month on Tuesday, December 14th. We should be getting out the agenda. The agenda will probably come out in December, closer to the meeting. But I can tell you, that the first, we're having an education session on ESG, which is environmental social governance. Climate fits into that, the environmental piece, but our board wanted to understand more about that bigger picture. So if you're interested in that, we have Kareem Doherty from KPMG, and she will be giving an education session. So come and listen to that. And right behind that, I will be at the table, the virtual table, <laughs> with the climate um, piece. We're going to talk about the catalog that we're putting out in the document and if the board is ready to move that forward for um, publication. It will go on our website. The other thing I will be working on with our communication specialist, Leah Kiger, is up updating the website to make sure it's very clear on the front page where the information is about climate. Most of that will sit in my project so that the document when it's published will sit at the top of my project page. So that is very easy to find the information. And the only other thing I would say is, you know, reach out to me. Paul will put out information as to how to reach me. If you have any questions, the technical inquiries are really important for us to, to gather and figure out what we need to present to the board. And, you know, we're here to work with you and hopefully we all can learn together how to account for and report on climate-related events and financial risk. Great. Well, this has been very informative, and thank you, Robin, for coming on the podcast today. Well, thank you so much for having me. We really appreciate the opportunity. That's the show. Thanks for tuning in. Affirm.org is where you go. Check out all our content, all our podcasts. We'll have some more coming your way soon here as we're wrapping up the year. Until next time, this is your host, Paul Marshall, signing off for Risk Chats with a Firm.